Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. This is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and this is episode 57. Episode 57 of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast is sponsored by the Chief Bat Company. Find the Chief Bat Company on Facebook. Their owner and creator, Ben Ogden, he does fantastic work. Mississippi Valley Conference Player of the Year, Andrew Henry, that is all he swings. Our upcoming guest, Derek Lawrence, his high school coach, Roman Hummel from the Cascade Cougars. He has a custom-made fungo that looks fantastic. So check out our sponsor, the Chief Bat Company, and get your bat made and use it preparing in the off-season. Our guest today comes from Cascade High School, where he was a five-year starter. He went on to pitch three years at the University of Iowa, following a stellar one-year career at NIAC. He went on to be a team USA member in the World Games that took place in Taiwan. We are excited to have Derek Lawrence join us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Derek, welcome. Hey, Nick, man. Thanks for having me. Did you like that I uh, pronounced your name correctly? Because I have screwed it up so many different times on past episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I've heard them all. I've heard a little bit of anything and everything when it comes to my last name. Well, we are excited to have you aboard. So you have had one of the best high school careers in the area. Your high school resume reads like this, Derek. You were a super team All-Stater, first team All-State, TH Player of the Year as a senior, four-time All-Conference, All-District, and three-time All-Area Selection for the Cascade Cougars. You were 7-1 and one with 103 strikeouts and 59 innings as a senior, and you helped lead Cascade to three conference titles in a Class 2A state semifinal appearance back in 2015. Now, what type of work ethic and training did you put in in high school and leading up to high school that led to such a dominant career? Um, you know, it actually took um, a lot more than um, a lot of people probably uh, understood. Um, it was one of those things where when I was uh, eighth grader, um, I got to get really close to Coach Hummel. Um, and one of the big things he um, emphasized to me was, you know, just getting bigger and stronger. Um, I wasn't very strong um, when I was an eighth grader. Um, I threw hard, but um, 
there wasn't really a whole lot to me at the time. So uh, when I got into high school, that's when I really started um, working out a lot, uh, four to five days a week there. Um, and then once I was a sophomore um, and could actually drive, you know, go wherever I needed to go, um, me and uh, one of my very close friends um, and teammates in high school, uh, Austin Gale, uh, we'd hit every single day, whether it was before school or after school, or there even sometimes, you know, I'd have a game on a Friday night for football and we'd have that hour, hour and a half in between, you know, school getting out and, you know, kickoff and we'd go hit or play catch, take ground balls, you know, whenever we could. So it's one of those things for, for four years, any time that I was able to make time, you know, to hit pitch or take ground balls, I did. Um, and there's a lot of people who, were a part of that, whether, like I said, it was Austin Gale, Coach Hummel, um, Shane Shellsmith, uh, Ross James, David James, a lot of people who, you know, helped me out during those four years. I can tell that you are in the Connor Klosterman school of thought. Oh. You are name dropping people early. The more name oh. drops, the more uh, retweets, the more shares. So, so thank oh, yes. you for that. Now, when you think of your high school career, it was five years. And I like the fact that you mentioned about getting in the weight room because I think that often goes unlooked, especially for baseball. But what are some of your greatest performances and memories that stand out during your high school career? Um, performances, uh, fortunately, they all actually happen to come against uh, Dyersville. Those were the best games I actually ever had. I remember my uh, sophomore year when it seemed like Dyersville had some winning streak. It seemed like 100 games at the time, but I think it was like 40 or 50. Um, and they had those guys. Um, it was that class with uh, Joey Lehman, Ian Ross, um, Adam Nate, you know, those guys. It was when Connor and I were sophomores. And they were ranked number one. They came to our place, ended up throwing a complete game. Um, I don't know if I shut them out. But we ended up winning. We snapped their streak. Um, that was probably that was one of my most memorable ones, aside from that uh, sub-state game. And then, you know, one of my best performances I ever had was my junior year in a district final game against Dyersville. And I, uh, I threw the game before, and I ended up actually throwing two days later. <laughs> and that, that was a story. Because I'm one of those guys that don't bounce, bounce back real fast. And I think – Everyone in the town of Dyersville thought that uh, Harris Tago was going to be on the end up throwing. And in between those two days, I'd run three miles in the morning, three miles at lunch, and three miles at night before I went to bed. And just, you know, a ton of uh, ibuprofen. I ended up throwing that game. And um, I had a five-inning no-hitter going before I got pulled, but we eventually ended up losing. But, uh, yeah, as far as performances go, that um, – they were all fortunately against Dyersville. And those um, were some of the biggest stages, too. We've had Coach uh, Rolling on here, and he would talk about how people 8, 9 o'clock in the morning would go and set blankets down, and they'd have a couple thousand people to watch you guys play. Oh, yeah, I'll never forget that. Uh, Substate game we had, we uh, they had to bring extra bleachers into Farley uh, for that game. And when we showed up um, – before you know, we even got off the bus. I mean, I bet there. I guarantee you, there was almost about a thousand people there. I mean, they were down the sides and the bleachers. It was crazy. That was one of the coolest atmospheres. And I, I've been fortunate enough to play in a lot of pretty cool atmospheres, but that one, there's something special about that one. You know, there's not a whole lot better, you know, than a 
number one versus number two Cascade Dyersville game, you know, under the lights. So that's that's unbelievable. And I'm, and I'm guessing when you yeah. came back to start, that was before the pitching rules. But things have changed because I remember when I played and when I coached, you had a Monday Wednesday or I'm sorry, a Monday Friday starter. So you would throw your number one on Monday. They'd bounce back and throw on Friday. And then Monday they, they would throw um, right back again. Now, I do want you to, to think about some of the most difficult hitters that you faced in the Dubuque County area. I know many of them uh, did not have very good luck against you, but who were some of those difficult batters um, when you think about guys in Dubuque County that were difficult to get out? Oh, man. <laughs> Got to go back a little bit here. Um, I'd say hands down, necessarily remember guys you know I had a lot of success against or guys I didn't I just remember the guys that made me kind of uncomfortable when I was throwing um and hands down the two that come to mind are Connor Klosterman and Tanner Felton actually from Monticello um it's pretty close to Dubuque County oh you know that guy could swing it but um as far as other names uh going by the Dubuque schools uh Connor Grant from senior um Austin Clemens from senior um Waller I'd say Connor's brother Cole um, Matt Hoffman, um, and then Dyersville, there's a whole list of, you know, you got Connor, you got uh, Ian Ross, Nate Steger, Tony Robbie-Onstetter, Lucas Jock, um, WD had, you know, Gavin Nauterman, Bryce Warner, Nolan Baumover, Tyler Johnson, Luke Potoff, um, and then those Hempstead boys, um, Chris Tompkins, man. I did not like throwing to Chris Tompkins. That guy, beautiful swing, very quiet swing. I did not like throwing to Chris Tompkins. I did not like throwing to David Fitzgerald either. Uh, those guys were very, very talented. Um, and it wasn't even the guys, you know, I had to pitch against either. You know, the guys that I had to face when I was batting too. There is a lot of good arms in Dubuque County as well. You know, Austin Clemens, Joey Lehman. Uh, even Dan Milius from Hempstead. I know that guy has my number. He's a stud. Um, yeah, Anthony Rudin. Um, yeah, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I've been, uh, you know, very fortunate, you know, for playing varsity for a um, long time and getting to play. I actually got to play Legion baseball for four years, too. So I got to play um, with all those guys, and it was pretty cool to build relationships with them and play against them and, you know, see who they are kind of off the field, too. So. If people want to know how how this works with the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, a lot of times before the interviews, I will submit a screener for the guests to look over. Some guests will look over the questions, some won't. And I, I, I snuck one in here for Derek. Derek doesn't know I'm going to ask this, and, and I'm not sure what his reaction will be to this. But I'm glad you talked about atmosphere, and I'm glad you brought up Hempstead. Because back in 2014, I had one of my greatest experiences as a coach, uh, coaching varsity baseball at Hempstead High School. We were named the number one team for a in state. And we showed up to play Cascade at Cascade that same week. And <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? I know exactly where you're going with this. And... I will give it I will give it to both coaching staffs because normally out of conference game you throw your eight and your nine or you bring up a freshman that, you know, gets lit up and the other team yeah. throws a freshman and they get lit up and, and it's a slug fest. But we threw Jeremy Vossen and Cascade through you. 
And the Cascade announcer, every single time they would introduce us, we were the 4A number one team. Head coach of the must, head coach of the um, ranked number one Hempstead Mustangs, batting for the number one red, red, ranked Mustangs, David Fitzgerald. And every single time, the announcer just kept on saying uh, number one rank. And there was so many people there, and and it was electric, and you could feel it. It felt like a sub-state. It it felt like a state game and yeah. they threw you and do you want me to share what happened in that outing or, or do you want to talk about what happened in that? No, outing? no, I got it. I got it. No worries. <laughs> no, it was pretty, uh, uh, yeah, that was the cascade definitely has a way of doing that. Um, you know, we have an unbelievable community that really, you know, does make it feel that way. You know, every time you go out there and play, um, no, the game actually started off really, really good. I know I went one, two, three, I believe, in like the first two innings or the first inning, and then everything just absolutely snowballed. I remember the uh, the one inning where it blew up. Um, I know I gave up a hit to Chris Tompkins, and then Evan, uh, was it Colker? Is that his yep. name? Yep. Yep, I know I gave up one off the wall to him, and then – I threw one away, and then there was an error, and I gave up. It was like a five-run inning. It was brutal. But. Yeah, it was It was crazy because, um, <laughs> I mean, Cascade threw their one. We threw our one, and it was a 0-0 game, and we had Alex Gross up, who I don't even think weighs 100 pounds soaking wet, and he ended up hitting a bases-loaded clearing triple um, off the fence in Cascade, which is which is quite the poke, and I can't remember what the final score was, but I remember we had we had a seven run inning, and that was that was just on my end. It was a lot of fun, but I, I think that oh, absolutely, I think that that was probably your roughest outing you had at Cascade. Oh, easily, um, and it was one of those ones. It was definitely uh, it was good for me too, you know, looking back on, you don't think about it at the time, but that was probably something great that happened to me. I was kind of, you know, just put you in your place a little bit. Um, and that team, I had a lot of respect for all those guys. So it wasn't those ones where I lost too much sleep at night. Like I said, I knew Chris really well. I knew David Fitzgerald really well and Evan. Um, I knew those guys really well. And, um, it was one of those things we talked about, you know, later that summer and whatnot in the next summers. But so, but yeah, I remember that game like it was yesterday. Great atmosphere. Started off good took a u-turn real quick but yeah and i and i compliment the head coaches for for doing that now cascade traditionally has been a powerhouse during the regular season but it seems that they're always coming up short they're not able to win that big game to get them to state or to win at state what do you think has held those teams back uh over the years um, just unfortunate events. <laughs> so, um, a lot of people don't know this on um, the area. I actually didn't move to Cascade till I was an eighth grader. Um, so I've heard the stories you know, of, you know, the Colin Ray days, um, you know, meeting up with Assumption and Substate, you know, when they're really good and just some unfortunate things that happened there. And then, uh, when Coach Hummel and Coach Sutherland and those guys were in high school, some unfortunate things happened to them. They did make it one time, uh, but the other games. Uh, but with us, you know, when I look back on it, uh, it's like my freshman year, for example, there was absolutely nothing I think we could have done. That Dyersville team that they had assembled with Nate Sager and Lucas Jock and um, Ty Troutman and Ian Ross and all those guys. And that, that was probably – 
it, that's up there with Hempstead, that lineup, one of the best lineups I've ever seen. I mean, that team, if we played them 10 times, it wouldn't even shock me if they would have beat us 10 times, honestly. That team was <laughs> unreal. Um, kudos to them. Um, and then uh, my sophomore year, you know, that year I said, you know, I pitched against Dyers on the regular season. We ended the streak. We 10 round them. Um, the game before our district final, we played Monticello. And I didn't pitch. Uh, Austin Gale pitched. And he was cruising. And then Monticello had a really big inning, and they upset us. And at the time, we were ranked number one. So we got upset, didn't even get a chance, you know, to play Dyersville, you know, to go to state. And then my junior year, that game where, um, you know, I had the no-hitter and then got pulled, and then Dyersville ended up. I think they ended up winning a state championship that year. That one hurt. That one hurt a lot. Um, and then, yeah, you know, senior year, everything finally just came together, and the stars aligned, and <laughs> we got over the hump. Now, we did talk about some of the disappointments there, but when you reflect back on on your high school career, what, what memories made it worthwhile? Those big games in the crowd, like you said, the atmospheres. You know, when I think of, you know, all the, you know, great places I've been fortunate enough to play at, you know, my mind always goes back to a packed jink field or a packed legion you know like those nights under the lights at cascade dyersville or a cascade wd or a cascade will you know whatever it is um there's just something about baseball in this community that can really just make it feel like a big league atmosphere you know i mean i've played in front of you know 10 12 15 000 people and some of my most jittery moments have been playing in a cascade dyersville game you know, in Little Farley, Iowa. So those are my favorite memories. Then, you know, the bus rides I made with my teammates, you know, like Connor said too, you know, like the bus rides and just being with those awesome group of guys, um, you know, they're just the little things you just never forget. So, And I've said this before with uh, Nate McMullen and, and other Cascade people that have been on is Cascade is, is a baseball community. Holy cow, do they live, eat, and breathe baseball. And and I think you guys get everybody's best. Cuz when you're showing oh, yeah. up, when you're showing up to play Cascade, it's a feather in your cap, it's a notch in your belt if you can beat Cascade or if you can go to Cascade and beat them. I mean the the fans come um, there's, it's a major league level baseball field. I mean, the field is so nice. You have the sun setting in the background and it's just a, a beautiful place to play. And I will say that Cascade always does get everybody's best. So after high school, you went to Nyack and what, what led you there? What other schools were looking at you and what ultimately, um, re- led you to Nyack? Yeah. So it's kind of a... Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. So I, uh, so I was committed to Western Illinois. Um, I committed there uh, beginning or middle of football season, my senior year. Um, so that was all set in stone. And then, you know, the football thing kind of took off uh, my senior year. And, you know, I got to the point, I talked to Coach Brownlee at Western, and we were talking about me maybe playing football there as well. And, um, you know, I was talking to Coach Hummel about it, and he's like, just – just see how everything pans out, you know, don't jump the gun on an opportunity like that or whatever. I was like, okay. And, um, for football sake. And, uh, I came out against Waller and I was 88 to 92 and coach Hummel sat me aside the 
next day after that game and he was like, you know, I mean, you ever really given this some thought, you know, of how far you could go or whatever. And I was like, no. And so then next thing I know, the next day I had calls from Nyack, Southeastern, Iowa Western, Wabash Valley, every junior college within a thousand mile radius, it seemed like. And, and they were all giving me the spiel about, you know, come here, you know, go power five or whatever. And I'm a very loyal person, so I didn't want to do it, but then I just kept throwing and throwing and throwing and it was getting to the point where I was like, wow, like maybe I can really, you know, do something here and go beyond, you know, and nothing against Austin, Illinois, great school, division one program. Coach Brownlee was a great guy. Um, I knew Javin Drake who went and played there and had a lot of success. Um, uh, and JJ Reimer that went up there and played as well. Uh, but, um, at the end of the day, I had a really good relationship with uh, Travis Herger at Nyack, and, you know, I put a lot of faith in him and, you know, with the success I was having, I was like, yeah, um, you know, I'm going to go for it and see what happens. And I do want to read your bio here from Nyack because Derek was no schlub the, uh, the year or two he was there. Were you there a year or two? Just a year. Just I, one I thought, so I thought just a year. So the year he was there, he was second team all region honoree, all conference selection. He went nine and one with a three point nine nine ERA, ninety six strikeouts, over sixty seven and two thirds innings of work. He started twelve games, made thirteen total appearances. He ranked six nationally in strikeouts per game at striking out twelve point seven seven per game. Um, he was 11th in strikeouts and 19th in wins. And back in February 21st of that year, you were the ICC ACC Division II Player of the Week. And you had seven games with eight or more strikeouts and allowed one run on six hits and struck out 13 over eight innings of work during Ellsworth. How did the NIAC? coaching staff improve your game and draw interest from the University of Iowa and other Division I programs that one season you were there? Uh, the big thing they really did, um, Coach Herger was uh, kind of a genie in a bottle when it came to uh, mechanics, and he really just cleaned some things up for me um, and just tightened everything up. My slider was a lot sharper. My fastball was just a lot heavier. Spin rate was up. Um, and just really taught me how to pitch. Um, cause you know, in high school it's just, Hey, so two fastballs and throw a curveball, you know, just basic stuff, you know, and then with him, he really just taught me, you know, the art of how to pitch, what to be thinking, what to be looking for. And it also helps, you know, playing with guys who were, you know, high level caliber baseball players, you know, my catcher, Blake White Cotton and Austin Ledoux there, they taught me a lot too. And my roommate who ended up going to University of North Carolina Greensboro, uh, Dan Lotz, he, um, super, super smart baseball player. He taught me a lot about pitching as well. So the atmosphere there and all the great baseball players I played with, um, you know, really just helped me overall. But the big thing I'd say was mechanics, um, and just tighten everything up on the uh, pitching end. So that's that's one thing that I've noticed just following baseball is you'll see organizations take a guy who's six foot ten that's throwing eighty two miles an hour, tweak one thing in a matter of a day's work, and then they're throwing ninety four. So yeah, it was it was great to um, 
to see what they could do with you because that did ultimately lead you to a Power Five conference. It led you yeah. to the University of Iowa. Were there other Division One schools and Power Five conferences that were interested in you, or were you an Iowa guy through in and throughout, and always wanted to be a Hawkeye growing up? No, yeah, I had other schools. I, uh, uh, Ted Silva from Nebraska, he reached out. Uh, Coach Zuli from Missouri. Uh, Mike Anderson and Jamie uh, Pacino from Oklahoma uh, was Trevor Mott or me, something like that from Baylor uh, coach uh, Boggett from Michigan. Um, and then um, Eric Thomas and, um, you know, Carrie uh, Simcox from Tennessee. Those are kind of, I ended up committing after my second start. So mm. these all, so I threw a game against uh, Oklahoma Enid who was ranked number one or number two in JUCO at the time and had a seven inning shutout against them. And all these schools happened to be there. And um, after that, all those schools reached out to me. And then um, I think Marty called me the very next day. Um, We got a visit the day after that. So, and then I was there and, said go Hawks. And now, now having uh, Marty Sullivan there, who's still with uh, them, with the Hawkeyes, having that cascade connection, was was that something that figured in your decision and going there and being able to connect with him? Or what, what led you to Iowa? Um, the big thing was me going to Iowa. I'm a big, uh, big family guy. Um, I'm very, very close with my uh, younger brother. Uh, it was very important to me to um, see him you know, finished out his high school football career and be able to be around him. And I have, you know, two younger brothers that are younger than him, one that's 10 years younger than me. And I was very close with him as well. And just didn't really want to miss out on, on their lives to say, you know, I went down to Baylor or Oklahoma or something like that. And I'd be gone all the time. So I just really, I just really want to be close to home, close to my friends and family. So that was kind of the ultimate factor as to why I went to Iowa. So. Now, Derek, I'm going to have a little courage asking this next question. I don't know if I would have this much courage if we were doing this interview in person um, rather than doing it over Zoom. But I hope, <laughs> I hope you don't take offense to it. But your uh, five-year career at Cascade was amazing. You had a year at NIAC that drew interest from – some of the highest level programs in the country. Now, at the University of Iowa, I I was trying to figure this out, but you didn't really crack the field too much in your three seasons at Iowa. Um, were, Were you struggling? Was the team and the pitching rotation that good? Or were you battling through some injuries that was a setback? Yeah, I had a brutal arm injury that pretty much just ended it all. Um, so I, uh, had a stress fracture from my elbow down to my wrist. So my entire forearm was cracked. Um, and I dealt with it there for the first like four months I threw on it. And, um, like my velo was down to like 84 and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I was warming up our first weekend down in South Florida and I couldn't even get the ball to home plate. And I, I remember telling coach, I'm like, I got to go to the doctor. And I go back and get an MRI, and they immediately come back telling me that I got a stress fracture in my elbow. So that um, that put me out until end of May. So I missed the entire season redshirted. And then um, right after that, we got a new pitching coach. Coach Brickman left, and Desi Drusel came. And uh, we had that uh, Team USA stuff. And I uh, – 
came back for that and they didn't really let me rehab at all. So I had two months. They were like, you need to start throwing. So I started throwing and I actually got back into the low nineties. I went down there when our tournament we had for team USA and Missouri and low nineties, I threw all three games or two of the three games was looking good. And then here's the craziest story you're probably ever going to hear on this podcast. Let's hear so, it. Two days before we were leaving for Taiwan, I was getting out of bed and I stepped on the ground and my left foot shot off the ground. And I was like, oh my, like I can't walk on it. But in the back of my mind, I knew exactly what was going on. So I called my trainer and I'm like, hey, we need to go to the hospital. And he's like, what? I'm like, Just don't, we're going to the hospital. So we go to the hospital and I get an ultrasound on my foot. And they found two inches of glass in my foot. Now, here's where this gets incredible. That piece of glass was in my foot since I was 12 years old. I ran across the picture frame when I was 12 years old, cut open my foot, had three little pieces of um, glass taken out, stitched it back up. And then like a week or two later, I played in a basketball tournament. And I told my dad, like, I got blood everywhere. He took off my sock and you could see glass coming out of my stitches. Mm. So I go back to the hospital. They cut it open, take two more pieces of glass out. So I've had five pieces of glass taken on my foot and I'm 12 years old. And throughout high school and throughout college up to that point, if I would like step on a cord or if I'd be on my heels um, too much, like when I was squatting or running, like I would get a really sharp pain. In the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I cut my foot open. It's no big deal. But that day I looked down and I had a bruise and a bump on the bottom of my foot. And I'm like, there's no way. And <laughs> I go there and the doctor's like, yep, you got two inches of glass in your foot. And I asked him like, well, can I get it out and, you know, get this done for Taiwan? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I had surgery and they took it out. And then the doctor actually came back and said, you had so much built up scar tissue you're going to be out for three months on crutches. So I had that eight or nine month arm injury. And then I had a two month gap where I didn't even get the rehab. I had to just start throwing right away, which is just awful for your arms. And then I had this foot surgery that put me back an extra three or four months. So then I had, so then right after that, you know, that puts me at October before my redshirt sophomore season and I have to build up strength in my legs, try to get my whole body into sync. And then when I played that year, I had some ups and downs. I had some good moments. Like I pitched against um, Missouri and Oklahoma State, had some good success. And then pitching against Nebraska. Like I had some good moments, but I just was not consistent. And that was the big thing. And then with my body, like I was so weak in my legs and then strong in my arms. I just couldn't get everything to come together. Cause I had two really, really bad injuries just back to back. And it basically took, you know, it took a full two years for me to even figure it out. And, um, the big thing with my arm too, I never even had a final MRI that told me it healed. Cause I got out of that brace and they're like, you guys start throwing. So, so just, I mean, to make a long story short, yeah, just injuries could just never get my body fully in sync um, it just wasn't the same after that injury. Um, you don't hear a lot of guys say, you know, I wish I would have had Tommy John rather than cracking my elbow from my elbow to my wrist. But, um, but no, um, that was pretty much what happened. Um, I had a 
really bad injury. And the doctor told me straight to my face that, you know, you're probably never going to be the same again is one of those. But, um, with the type of person that I am, I thought I could beat it. You know, I gave it everything I had and injuries happen, but, um, it was still, you know, good experience for three years there. So now how long was that glass in your foot? I'm calculating like eight to 10 years. Yeah. Yep. Right around that. I had two inches. Of, Cause the way they said, they said it went in and it slid in so far that it eventually went flat for a while. So that's why it wasn't that excruciating pain, but then it eventually, my body started pushing it out and that's what ultimately ended up happening. One of the questions I was going to ask you, but I think I already know the answer is, do you think you made the wrong choice or do you regret going to the University of Iowa? But it just sounds like no matter where you went to school or whatever program yeah. you would have played for, you would have had that string of bad luck with the arm injury and the, and the foot injury. Is it, would you say that's a fair statement? Um, no, yeah, um, I definitely think, um, I've made the wrong decision as far as, you know, I, uh, I just had an injury that was handled very, very poorly. Um, my arm injury, um, and maybe they just didn't know the circumstances of it. Maybe the doctor didn't let them really know what was happening or they said a big thing too, is, you know, I had pitching coaches switch during that injury. So one guy got a hold of me after the one who knew my injury left, you know, some, and then my trainers got switched as well. It was kind of a worst case scenario situation, um, with my injury, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that it is what it is. You know, it's, there's plenty of other guys who have had, um, their careers take a U-turn with an injury or a decision like me. But, um, one thing about Iowa, uh, Coach Heller does an amazing job of recruiting unbelievable people. And I have met, you know, people that um, have changed my life for the better and that will, you know, be best friends for life. Uh, you know, Kyle Shemp, Grant Leonard, uh, CJ Eldred, Jake Adams, um, Robert Newstrom. You know, I mean, this list goes on and on and on um, of great people that I know. And um, I'm very fortunate to have gone through that too. You know, it's helped me a lot just in life to understand that, you know, not everything goes according to plan. And I hope that any kids that are, you know, 18 years or younger, um, you know, take note of that because, you know, a lot of things can change in the blink of an eye and it's how you react to it. Um, it was one of those things where I was obviously never the same pitcher that I was, but I was a very good teammate. And that's why I stayed there for three years. They had every reason, you know, to get rid of me right after the injury, but I was a great teammate. Um, I'd help guys out whenever they needed it. And it was more about them than it was me with me knowing that my arm was done for. So, um, so at the end of the day, um, I think it was a, it was a good decision because it taught me a lot and, you know, brought me some amazing relationships that'll last a lifetime. And that's what it's all about. We're, we're going to get so. to those. We're going to get to those bus trips and, and those road trips a, a little later. But you had mentioned Team USA. When did that happen in your college career? But was it between uh, sophomore and junior year? And, and how did you get yeah. selected to play for Team USA? Yeah, that was actually um, our entire Iowa team. Um, we oh, got okay. for the World University Games. Um, so we were the college that got selected. So it was our entire um, Iowa baseball team. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know if it was a select team from each uh, yeah, university. No, no, that was. Now, did any of your teammates or any of the op opponents that you would have played in that tournament when you were representing Team USA end up to get drafted or, or go on to the big leagues at all? 
Yeah, uh, Robert Newstrom and Zach Daniels. Uh, they're both in the minor leagues right now. They're not in the big leagues yet, but uh, hopefully they get there soon. How did that uh, tournament work work out for you guys? How how well did you play? Uh, silver medal. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And we've had two former guests that have been a part of Team USA. We had uh, Nick Ungs check out his episode. He played for Team USA. And then Eric Munson was a coach for Team USA. Who were your coaches? Was it the Iowa coaching staff? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah Iowa coaching staff. Yep. Now, I do want to go back and think this is an important question for the the high school kids and the middle school kids that listen to this, what was the biggest difference from high school baseball at Cascade to community college at NIAC and then a Power 5 Division One conference at the University of Iowa? I'd say focus. Um, I mean, focus in a lot of different ways. Um, the one thing I know, like in high school, like when you're – fortunate enough to be a, you know, a talented baseball player and whatnot, you can kind of just get by most of the time, show up to the field, get three or four hits or throw a complete game, you know, stuff like that. But once you go, you know, to college, it's one of those things where you got to really focus on your craft every single day. You have to find that one percent, find a way to get 1% better, whether it's, you know, dieting, working out, playing long toss, throwing a short box, throwing a bullpen, doing some mental training type stuff. Every single day you have to do something to push the needle in the right direction. Cause if you don't, somebody else is. And that's just the moral of the story in college. Cause in college, you know, you're all fighting for the same thing. You got, I'm on a team where everybody wants to be the ace and you got 15 other guys who are doing whatever they can to be the ace as well. You know? So that's the biggest thing I noticed is just, you got to lock it in every single thing that you're doing at all times. And it's one of those things that it'll help you on later in life too. You know, when you're in work, if you got something to do, get it done and do it right. Um, so I think the biggest thing is just focus in between all the levels and it gets the more, the higher up you get, you know, I have guys, I have friends who are in single a double a and triple a. And I, you know, I've asked them that question too. And it's, um, the same thing, you know, the focus level just gets a little bit, you know, more intense, the higher you get up there. And I had a really good conversation with uh, Cal Eldred, who's the father of one of my best friends, uh, CJ Eldred. He's the pitching coach of the Kansas City Royals. And I've asked him, you know, he, and he played in the World Series. And the intensity of that is I mean, it's just laser focus. Every single step you make from when you wake up and pour your cereal to when you put your head down at night and go to bed after the game. Everything you do is just laser focused and it's a whole new animal, you know, the higher and up you get. So now, Derek, when I Googled you, um, a picture came up for you in the North Woods League. Now, what was that experience like? That was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, and did you they got one or two seasons? Uh, just one. Um, that That's one of those things where they make it sound real bad because you play like 70 four games in 76 days or whatever. And they're like, Oh, it's a real taste of single A baseball. Cause you have these long crappy bus rides and you stay in a motel and you're put on your sweaty uniform sometimes the next day, yada, yada, yada. But that was the coolest thing I have ever done. You know I mean? If you're someone who loves baseball, there's nothing better than Northwoods league. And I, uh, 
had an unbelievable host family, uh, the Schneiders out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, they were an awesome family, cooked us great food, uh, had three great kids. Dad was a golfer. So it was just a good time. Uh, and my roommate there happened to be Corey Lee, who was the first round uh, draft pick for the Houston Astros last year. And he and I still stay in touch uh, weekly. Um, he's actually in the taxi squad right now for Houston. So he's playing with the big league guys and whatnot. And that was an unbelievable experience. Every single place you go, you got, you know, four or 5,000 fans and they love you and it's a minor league atmosphere. And it's, it's really cool. I, if you get the opportunity to do it, I highly recommend to do it. So. And was that the lacrosse lug nuts? Is that their name? The loggers. The loggers. That's right. I, I love going up to Madison and going to a game yes. at, the, at, the, at the duck pond because they, I had no idea what to expect. I, I thought I was going to go up. There'd be like 12 people watching this game. I showed up, 6,000 people. It was sold out. There were people tailgating before the game. We could not find a place to park. And it was such such an unbelievable experience. And you're right. If you love baseball, what what's, what's better than playing 74 games, hanging out with uh, some people that love baseball as well, and getting to play in front of those in front of those huge crowds. Now you mentioned your roommate who went on to be a first round draft pick. Were any of your coaches, former big leaguers, did you play with anybody else that happened to get drafted or is in the big leagues? Or what about anybody that's in the big leagues now that you would have played against? Yeah. uh, Tom Kenny was our pitching coach. He played, I want to say he got the double A. But yeah, we had a lot of guys get drafted on. Uh, We had a Christian Roa. He was a second or third rounder for the Reds. Ian Bedell out of Davenport. He was a third rounder for the Cardinals. Um, I forget his name. We had a third baseman get drafted um, in the second or third round by the Giants. Um, We had another outfielder get drafted by uh, Harrison Harry, yeah, his name is Harrison. He got drafted by the Giants. So, yeah, we had a pretty stacked team. It was pretty fun. Um, and then I don't know if any of them that I've played against are in the bigs yet. but Yeah, and we know that sometimes it's a three to four, sometimes even a five-year process to, to get through yeah. those minor yep. leagues. Now, we know that college road trips and Northwoods League's road trips are uh, have some pretty wild – or crazy stories. Uh, are you able to share a couple of those or is it whatever happens on the road stays on the road? Um, I can keep it PG, but kind of get the point across. We had we, we, some... If you want to take it PG 13, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, like the Northwoods, for example, you know, we uh, go out to Bismarck. It was like a oh, eight or nine hour drive. Uh, that one and then the one where we went up to Thunder Bay in Canada. Uh, me and Corey were pretty close with the um, coach there at lacrosse. And we'd go in there and, uh, you know, get some stuff that wasn't Gatorade. And you just have a really good time, you know, going out to Thunder Bay or Bismarck and playing games in the back with all the guys. And, you know, everybody's just having a hoot. And that was kind of the big thing with the, um, with the Northwoods. <laughs> and uh in college, you know, you had some of those guys that do the same thing. Like we had a trip at Nyack going down to Oklahoma and his name's Fisher Durbala, one of the greatest dudes I've ever met. And you could put him down, that's for sure. And we had a trip down to Oklahoma and he was just absolutely slugging them and he ended up puking. 
Yeah, it was oh, phenomenal. Um, and then I had my roommate at Iowa. We had an extra night in Vegas. <laughs> he, he got a little wild. And we had to be on the bus by like, oh, six in the morning. I had to fly to Colorado. And he comes out with one tennis shoe on and one flip-flop on. <laughs> he's, he's in the bus and you can just hear him puking into his bag. And, oh, <laughs> see a little bit of anything and everything on the bus so that's that's awesome now a couple things i I do want to chat about before we hit into that podcast ending double play i believe you signed a lifetime contract with the bernard indians is that true or was that somebody else that i may have seen no they gave me the offer when i was 14 um in high school but i decided to sign with the cascade reds until i decided to hang it up yeah (laughs) So, so they, they, they must just retweet that every year. Cause I swear I saw yeah. that before, before yeah. this came out. So you, you don't play anymore for, um, no, I do. Oh, no, I, I don't play with them. I play with the, uh, Cascade Reds. Okay. And are you pitching ever or are you strictly no. just, no, my, uh, no, my arm is, uh, has absolutely zero bullets left. I am just a full time second baseman for the Cascade Reds for the time being. Perfect, and you play with some some great guys out there. Used to work with oh, Nick yeah. Mullen, great guy. I hope he does well with the Cascade basketball program. But oh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Ross and David Janes before, and I yep. do believe there's a connection there. Do you work at the Dusty Rogers Baseball Academy still? Yeah, yeah, I give lessons there. And do you coach a team or just strictly? Yeah, I help. Uh, yep, yeah, I help with the eighteen uh, U team there, Dusty as well, in the springs. Awesome. Now, Derek, before we get out, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Any uh, tip or advice you'd like to give to any of the youngsters out there before we sign out? Just work hard, put your head down. Um, you know, eliminate all distractions when you're young, and just focus on your goal and do what you can to get there. Derek Lawrence, thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. This was a lot of fun, and I know fans will not be disappointed. People, when I announced that you were coming on, were excited to hear your story. So thank you for listening, and 643, we're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.